0: Welcome back. It's on Brooklyn Bites, episode one hundred and twenty nine. I am Stephanie. I'm Leon. It is still the month of May. <laughs> You're right. No, it's not, it's June. <laughs> Full June. <laughs> I was just playing along. Yeah.
1: I was in fact checking you.
0: <laughs> so we got a new week now.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: starting to get a little warmer again. Yeah. Summer's almost here. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Anything new?
1: Ugh Computer troubles this week. That's not good news. Never fun.
0: How bad are we talking about here?
1: We're talking uh, boot drive failure.
0: I don't <laughs> know what that means.
1: <laughs> it's never a fun thing to see when you turn your computer on and getting ready to use your computer. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I'm going to have mm-hmm. a nice productive Do you actually turn day. your computer
0: off? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I do. Okay. I, I used to leave it on a lot, but nowadays I don't. You're not
0: one of those people that look at your uptime and like brag about it to your friends. <laughs>
1: That used to be a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care anymore.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, well, I have two computers. I have a main computer that I use for my everyday stuff, and it's pretty much my gaming everyday PC. computer. Yeah, yeah. I use it for gaming, and I use it for just whatever else the normal computer is for. And then I have kind of a dedicated computer, what I call my server, for my archiving and my internet download stuff. Like, if something's going to take a long time to run, I'll put it on that machine. Or, um, you know, it's got a lot of hard drives and a decent processor, so if I want to, you know, render some video or, uh, you know, whatever, you know, whatever busy work I want to do, I, I push it off onto that machine. Mm-hmm. This way, my main machine is free for me to do whatever normal stuff I want to do. But it's never a good thing when you turn your computer on, the computer says, like, no boot device found, or uh insert bootable media or something to that effect.
0: Yeah, that sounds bad. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I'm thinking, oh, no, what happened? And... I had an old SSD in there as my OS drive that Windows normally operates on. And it finally gave up. It was probably, I'm going to say, at least nine years old.
0: Wow, an SSD that's nine years mm-hmm. old?
1: Yeah. It probably. So you were goes, like
0: an early adopter. Definitely.
1: From, yeah, you know. it goes back to the beginning of affordable consumer-grade SSDs. And I kind of knew... It was getting a bit long in the tooth. I knew how old it was. And I even loaded a utility that checks the health of the drive to tell mm-hmm. you this is how much life it's got left in it. And unfortunately, I didn't check it often enough. I always meant to replace it. I did already have a replacement drive.
0: Did it say it was dying?
1: It doesn't actually say anything unless you run this tool and it tells you like what percentage is left.
0: Oh, Because they do have lifespans. It's true.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because it's like solid state, and those memory cells that are in there are only good for so many cycles of access, Uh and that's it. I guess it finally gave up. And when an SSD dies, it's not like a regular mechanical hard drive where you put it
0: in the freezer and then plug it in real fast. No, it's not
1: like where it's like starts giving you bad sector warnings or something. Mm -hmm. This it just goes out like a burnt out light bulb. It just ceases to work. Huh. Luckily, I didn't have anything that important on it, but it did occupy a lot of my time trying to get that machine back up and running. I had to reinstall Windows and physically replace the drive, and I had to free up an old drive that I wanted to use in its place, so it took some shuffling.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, did you have something readily available to take its place, or did you have to go out and buy yeah. a new drive? Yeah,
1: I had an SSD that I was going to put in the gaming machine just to upgrade that cuz that's running on a, a smaller drive and i thought that's a good replacement for the one that's on my server and i could just shoot it over there mm-hmm. but i never got around to it because it would be like you know i got to take half a day to take the computer apart yeah. and, and then clone the drive onto the new one and make sure everything works right and if you're being careful you want to back everything up first so bottom line it ate up a good chunk of that day and just getting all the software back is such a hassle
0: yeah that's never fun, it takes time yeah, have to go look for those product keys, right?
1: yeah, that's part of it Mm -hmm. even just thinking about everything you might have had on there preference Uh,
0: files are all gone uh,
1: yeah, it's just a mess (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I wish it was easier to back this stuff up because I just feel like I tried using a, a regular backup solution once and it just didn't work well for me
0: Hmm. That's kind of weird. Like there's some things that I always say are weird that Apple has not copied yet from Microsoft. Mm. But then stuff like that, it seems weird that Microsoft hasn't come up with an Apple-like solution.
1: Yeah. to the, like
0: on, on Mac, it's really easy. You just press one button. It backs everything up. It's done. Mm-hmm. You plug in a new drive. You just say copy over from backup. Pretty much clones the drive. Yeah. And I know PC has those like cloner options, but they're not great.
1: I haven't found one that works well Yeah. There was one time where I was migrating My other SSD And I figured Let me try out one of these backup programs And I ran through that whole thing And then I also did a copy of all my essential data In addition to the backup Mm -hmm. And then when I did the swap I tried to restore from the backup And it just threw some error message saying Can't read backup set or something And I'm like all right, good thing I kept my own copy Of this stuff because These things just don't work right Right. It's fine if you just have a secondary hard drive that you want to back up, mm-hmm. or if you just have like a folder or a set of folders that you want to back up, that's fine. But when it comes to restoring the OS, that's a huge hassle. Right. Because you need something to boot from in order to initiate that restore.
0: Right. you, so you have to make like a, a huge, like a USB drive or something. a DVD or something.
1: Yeah, or a DVD mm-hmm. uh-huh. or an external drive or something to get the machine back up so that you can put back your data exactly yeah. the way it was and... I don't know. Didn't work out. So that's where I'm at.
0: <laughs> so you done? 100%?
1: No, not even close. Wow. I have other stuff that's just not working as a result of this disruption. I'll deal with it in time.
0: All right.
1: What about you? Anything exciting?
0: Exciting? Not so much. Mm-hmm. I bought a extender for my joystick shafts. <laughs>
1: For, uh... On my,
0: that, you know that controller I built a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, like, a hot rod controller that I converted into, like, a custom. Right. I thought so that thing was done. It, it was, yeah, it was done. But they, the joysticks, because you're passing a regular, like, Japanese-style ball-top joystick through mm-hmm. wood, mm-hmm. you kind of lose some distance on the, like, shaft of the stick.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So it makes it very short, which is... Not horrible, like it's like I kind of actually like it. Mm-hmm. But it's very similar to the Nintendo PlayChoice cabinets. Yeah. You can't really grip the joystick if you want to. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know about this until just recently. I saw it on the Focus Attack website. They have these like little metal rods that you screw on between the ball top and the shaft on the joystick. Mm-hmm. And it extends it like an inch. I figured I'd try it out. I didn't know how good it was. I installed them and it's pretty cool. I didn't really give it a test run yet. To play, like, Robotron and some other games to see how it feels, but I don't know. I think it's okay. Mm -hmm. I can always just unscrew them if I change my mind (laughs)
1: so you prefer I if, do
0: prefer a little bit shorter
1: similar to the kind of games you like to play like the Pac-Man style or Donkey Kong stick I, I style think some
0: of them yeah like a lot of the Nintendo stuff had very short
1: mm-hmm. does it have that same kind of loose feel to it it does have a loose feel yeah because I, I noticed that the bat tops are very like they feel very tightly sprung
0: yeah so if I want to make it more tighter I'd have to get a spring and change the spring inside mm-hmm. and that gives you more resistance yeah that makes sense so that's kind of easy stuff to change though mhm but that's, like, the whole world of joystick customization. How much do you want to fine-tune everything right down? hmm Sometimes it just depends on the game. Like, not all games do I want it to react this way. So it's how, how do you find the perfect all-around good solution mm-hmm. of gate on the joystick and throw and, yeah. you know, resistance and all that stuff. Like, something that works good on everything. It's mm-hmm. kind of hard to do, I think.
1: Mm. But it seems better.
0: I didn't actually test it. Okay. I just put them on, like, and I have to like hook the joystick up now and then give it a test run. So that's mm-hmm. probably something I'm going to do this week. All right. It's an ongoing project.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you know there are gaming mice? Some of them you can actually add weight to the mouse because some people like oh, wow. a specific feel of the mouse when huh. they use it.
0: I did not know that. Wow. How do you prevent mice from getting dirty, the pads underneath the mouse? Uh, i noticed mine it builds up dirt and yeah. then once it starts getting dirty it doesn't slide the same way mm-hmm. like it's not smooth anymore
1: right you mean on the mouse itself
0: the underneath of the mouse we yeah. like these like little pads underneath the mouse and
1: maybe the surface that you use maybe you need a good mouse mat to like run it on i do
0: need a good mouse mat now that you say it <laughs>
1: Not, not can even you a mouse.
0: recommend a good mouse mat?
1: Not even a mouse pad, but a mouse mat. I noticed mat. <laughs> some of
0: them take up the whole entire workspace yeah. now. They're like three feet long. I like and... that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Because that
1: way you could just use it anywhere. The, yeah. You don't have to all worry right. about keeping it on this specific pad.
0: I just saw that recently. I'm like, wow, I wonder if, that might, if someone would work out. The only thing I don't like about it is that they print like the company's logos on them. And I don't want some dumb, like, yeah. big, you know, flashy logo There's on There's all
1: types. You can get it with anything on it. Can you just get
0: blank ones? Yeah, I think oh, so. Okay i need to look into this not not even for gaming because i don't really game on my computer but mm-hmm. and especially like lately i got into a little like graphic work so i don't remember it being so uncomfortable with this mouse doing yeah. like photoshop work and stuff
1: there's a whole different variety of surfaces there's some that are more spongy like a little softer and then there's others that are more laminated i think i like that I think more solid mm-hmm. yeah so maybe that's the kind that you would prefer this way it's hmm. not as gunky
0: okay <laughs> less gunk right
1: so that's what's happening huh
0: yeah that was that was it
1: okay well despite all these troubles okay i still had some time for gaming
0: that's amazing because mm-hmm. i know when computer troubles arise that's my focus
1: me too I definitely feel that way so what did you play a new game believe uh-huh. it or not something that just came out very recently which is not
0: normal for you. You don't Usually think so? you're dipping into the retro archives. I yeah. Think, so it's been a while since you talked about a current game.
1: I know. I thought I was waiting for this game, so let me at least play it when it comes out. Uh-huh. Let me not just add it to the mountain of unplayed games that I've been yeah. accumulating. <gasps> so the game is Little Nightmares. It's a game that we saw at PAX mm. a couple of months ago. Didn't know about it until then. But it looked interesting. It looked good. And I saw that it was coming soon. So I thought, yeah, let me check it out. Let me bump it up to the top of the queue. Yeah, what made
0: you bump it up? Was there any one factor? or
1: I think it was just because it's a new game that I knew wasn't that long, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And I it was something that I could maybe uh, tackle in a week's time. Okay. And just to see how it is. And it looked interesting. I like a lot of aspects of this game. And I thought I would see what it's like because it's a little horror, and it's a little puzzle platforming. So those elements together, I think, uh, made for an interesting game.
0: Very cool. It looks good. I'm curious to hear what you're, but don't spoil too much because yeah, it is I a brand new do game. I want to play this myself. <laughs>
1: this is a current game, so I don't want to really ruin anything. I'm mm-hmm. going to try to keep things general. I'm not going to tell you too much about the game itself. I'm going to try to just focus on what my experience playing it was like. But if you don't know much about the game, it focuses on this little girl. You don't really know much about her. You don't even know her name. You just see her in a yellow raincoat that she wears. Like
0: Paddington Bear,
1: right? Yeah, if you think of it that way, Mm -hmm. sure. (laughs) It starts off with just this vague kind of dreamlike sequence of a woman in a geisha garb and she slowly turns around to look at the camera, and all of a sudden, you're in the game, and you see the girl there. And she was using a little suitcase as a bed. She's in a damp room with a lot of exposed pipework around her. You're just kind of thrown right into it. You're not really told what her name is. You don't know where she is. You don't know what brings her to this circumstance, and you don't know anything about the vision that she saw. But you can pick her up and move her around. The controls are pretty straightforward. It's the left stick to move, the right stick to look around. But the look is fairly limited. You can move it left to right and look up and down. But it's not first person or anything. So it's always that same sideways kind of uh, platformer view. She can also crouch with the L2 button. And that also allows her to walk slowly like more softly or quietly. Square to sprint or walk faster. It's not really a run. It's just more of like just a shuffle quicker. R2 lets her grab onto things or pick up an object. And X is to jump and also to throw an object. If she happens to be carrying something, she can also throw it. The circle button is to bring out her lighter. She has a little uh, lighter that she can turn on to illuminate her surroundings because the game in general is very dark. Mm. She can't really see too far. This allows her to sort of light up the area around her. And of course, I played on PlayStation 4, so that's why I referenced those particular controls in that way. Mm. She has a very cautious gait to her walk, she scampers around and stumbles as she walks about. Uh, she'll slide her hand along the wall, almost like she's trying to use it to keep her balance. It seems like she's a little awkward. Does she talk? She never says a thing. Okay. The whole game is wordless, silent. Wow. There's no words. There's no uh, spoken language or sounds anything. Sounds a
0: little bit like a limbo or something.
1: does give you a little bit of that feeling. Mm-hmm. I would say it's not as abstract as limbo. Mm-hmm. But in general, it is presented in a similar way. There's a lot of loose objects around her. Things like cans or random objects, depending on where she is. It's usually related to the room that she's in. She can pick them up, but initially I can pick up a few things and they don't really seem to do anything. So I just kind of press into the game. The first really simple puzzle is she goes down a dark hallway and then you realize okay she's also got a lighter now i should say that none of these controls are explained up front there's no point in the game where it gives you a tutorial or anything really Hmm. the only hint i had was i just went into the options and i looked at the controls and and that's how i was able to see what everything Mm -hmm. does but there's never a point where the game actually tells you here's what you should be doing
0: i kind of like that I, i don't like when they give you too much information yeah that's good
1: yeah, no definitely, and it fits the mood of this game, too. Uh, so she pops up in her lighter and she sees that she's in the dark end of a room, and she uses a, there's a little lantern in the middle of the floor, and she uses the lighter to, to light the lantern. And anytime she's near one of these things, if she's got the lighter out, she'll bend over into the lantern and light it up. that lights up the area around her, and then there's a hatch that she can pull on, and then she goes into the air duct that's connected behind the hatch to exit the room. So, really simple stuff like that. Environmental kind of puzzles. Now, she's either very small or everything around her is just larger than normal. It's hard to tell what's going on, but she's really tiny. She's probably like three feet tall, if that. But everything just seems much bigger than her. Fear of the unknown environment seems to be a very strong theme in the game. Very cold, gray, industrial type of setting initially. You might see things like slowly rotating fans behind a crack in the wall, or the camera will pull back to show like these very large chains connecting just empty space. You don't really know what this environment is yet. You mentioned Limbo. I could see definitely a connection there, or even inside, you know, whatever I know of that game. I haven't played that game yet. Yeah, that's
0: why I didn't mention that.
1: But I've seen images of that game Uh too. Uh, I can also imagine that maybe uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall was an influence in the art style. Mm-hmm. Or Eastern European stop-motion animation, like these weird flickery movies that you, know, you might have seen as a kid. Like a tool video? Yeah, definitely. That kind of a thing. Yeah. The viewpoint is interesting, too. It looks like it's happening on a stage. Each room has a very definite boundary to it. Almost like it's happening within a shadow box, maybe. Mm. A little similar to maybe Little Big Planet, if you've ever seen how those games look. Right, yeah. And that makes sense because the developer of this game, Tarsier Studios, worked on DLC for Little Big Planet mm-hmm. 1 and 2. And they also developed the Vita version. Of so, Little Big Planet? Yeah. Oh, wow. They seem to have experience with this type of presentation. Now, there's also another thing that I happen to see as I'm walking, which is. A small doll of the woman that was seen in the dream sequence in the beginning. Not sure what I can do with it initially. I can pick it up. And then when the girl decides to throw it, it smashes onto the floor and it shatters. A mist seems to be released from it when that happens. I notice the save icon will flash on the screen. I go into the next room and... There's a gruesome scene of a man who just hung himself. You just see his feet floating in the air.
0: So this isn't a kid's game at all?
1: Uh, No, I would say not, probably. (laughs) She uses the chair that he just used to push against the door, and then she'll climb up onto the chair and work the latch to exit that room. There's these large leeches that she encounters. These are the first dangerous enemy. They're present throughout the game, but they don't really seem to have a reason to be there. They're just there. It's just kind of like a dangerous thing that you run into. There's other little humanoids around that are even smaller than her somehow. Hmm. They have what looks like a paper cone covering their head, almost like a lampshade. Uh, These are called gnomes. They aren't named in the game, but it's just something that I found out reading about it. She can pick them up and hug them. When she picks them up... Oh, so they don't attack her? They don't attack her. If she manages to catch one, because they do scurry away, but when cornered, she can go up to one of them and pick it up. They'll start to follow her after she puts it back down and starts to mimic her movement. So it's almost like she made friends with them. Oh, weird. That was another case of... I saw, like, a little flashing icon when that happens. Typical type of platformer, puzzly things happen... Uh, One puzzle involves disabling and getting through some electrified jail bars. Another is a point where there's this giant eye that's mounted on a wall. And you see it looking in different directions. And it's surrounded by these small figures that appear to be frozen in place. They seem like they might be made of ash. So you get the impression that you don't want to be seen by this eye. (laughs) Hmm. There's kind of a swaying motion to the rooms too. The camera seems to tilt a little bit to the left and then get missing, a little bit a to the right. Possibly. Yeah. Could be. And that affects your timing in the movement sometimes. Sometimes you need to hop onto something that's swinging or in this case, you wanted to get past this eye thing. There's a, what looks like a laundry cart and you try to run alongside of it as it's moving from side to side. And yeah, like you say, this might be a little bit of a hint as to where this is happening. Uh, There's more lanterns that I end up finding. When those are lit, the save icon also comes on again. So these are actually the three different types of collectibles in this game. The lanterns, the little gnomes, and the statues that you can break. And I noticed there were some trophies earned when I found the right amount of them. (laughs) Now... One thing that happens a lot with this exploration type of game that where you don't really know the right way to go is is that sometimes there are side rooms, but I don't know which way is like the main path and then which one is the side room. You know, like I don't wanna progress to a point where I might have back, skipped right? something. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that That's always makes me a little nervous. And I did feel like I might have gotten caught by that a few times, so I had to reverse direction and go back and make sure i look at things on both sides
0: so does it let you do that though or once you clear a level then you can't move back
1: well there's definitely levels and chapters in the game and i don't think you can really go back i mean you can go back if you quit the game you can mm-hmm. choose which chapter you want to start on but then you have to repeat a lot of stuff okay there are times where if you feel like you've gone too far you can quit and say reload last checkpoint But you might not know where that is. That might put you really far back. So it's hard to tell sometimes. But I think I did a pretty good job of staying on course and really figuring out where those rooms might have been. Like, for instance, one of those gnomes, you might see one running away from you. And it might run in a different direction than the level seems to be taking you. But if you follow it, it might take you to an out-of-the-way like little room where uh, it'll let you pick it up and maybe there's a lantern there also or maybe there's, you know, something else to look at. Now, the other thing is just because you can interact with an object doesn't mean that there's any purpose in doing so. There are times when I'm trying to figure out how to climb something just because I see, like, a ladder there or there's, like, a place that I can grip and move something but it just turns out to be nothing. Hmm. And that's pretty cool, I think, because... It makes it feel like a real place rather than a stage for gameplay to occur. Now, another thing that she has to deal with is that she has really strong hunger pangs sometimes. You'll be walking her along, and then all of a sudden she'll double over and you hear very loud stomach growlings. <laughs> and so sure that's
0: not your stomach. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I, confusing the two.
1: You know, there were times where I doubted it, but it was definitely affecting the game. And this is another theme that was present in this game. It was originally announced with the title Hunger back in 2014. When they first showed off this game, it had that title. And it seemed like that was something that they were trying to play up. So she does have to find food when that happens. And usually it's not hard to find, though. It usually is right there for her to to take care of it. But it is a way for them to tell a story and uh, introduces some interesting plot twists.
0: There is a chef in the game, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. There's an area in the game where you have to make your way through a kitchen. There's a pair of chefs there. These are really grotesque creatures. <laughs> they're enormously huge. They look like they're made out of paper mache. They definitely have like a very puppet-esque aesthetic to them. They're constantly snorting and coughing and, and breathing heavy really uncomfortable to watch them they might even be wearing masks i don't think that's their real face because i think at one point i saw one of them like kind of reach under their chin
0: yeah because they have a little bit like a scarf or something on underneath
1: Mm -hmm.
0: i remember seeing that in the video that we watched
1: yeah that's one of the type of creatures you run into there's another one that's blindfolded and has these very long arms He looks almost like, if you remember from Nightmare on Elm Street, when Freddy, like, Mm, his arms, like, stretch out super long. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very similar to that kind of uh, look to it. And in those areas, uh, the footsteps that the girl makes are very important. She has to be extra careful because this creature is blindfolded. It can't see her, but it can hear her. And if she makes too much noise, it'll take notice and it'll come over and try to investigate. So there's points where she has to try to leap across floor mats to try to stay silent. There's another really cool part in this area where she has to sneak underneath some floorboards. One interesting puzzle in the kitchen area where the chefs are, where she had to like use a dumbwaiter to go up to this freezer in order to feed this meat grinder. She had to take chunks of meat out of the freezer, push them through the floor into this giant meat grinder thing so she can make Links of sausages to use it as a rope to swing across to an exit. I thought that was pretty neat. Again, the game doesn't tell you anything. It just puts you in this room and you have to figure out how to get out. Lots of stealth required around here. Those chef creatures will freak out if they think that she's nearby.
0: What if they find her? What happens? Do they cook her?
1: Um, You don't really see the result of what happens, but... The camera fades out. Oh, right. But basically you're caught and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Do you
0: get like a life meter or anything? No.
1: Okay. Mm -mm. No, there's no health of any kind. You don't have to worry about that. You do hear her heartbeat when she's in danger of being spotted. It even rumbles in the controller, too. When they're close, it gets more intense as if they're about to see her. But... After this, it starts to transition a little bit into an area where the camera starts to really play with the scale of what you see, and it really emphasizes just how tiny she is compared to her environment. And if you have any theories up to this point, it starts to solidify them as to what's going on and where this might be taking place and who these different characters are. Very Japanese flavor in the architecture in these parts doesn't seem to really mesh with the initial areas but there is another scene where it's a very busy dining room and there's a lot of other creatures or people i mean it's really hard to tell but i guess in addition to the hunger themes and then the fact that these creatures are here eating gluttony is like a big overbearing theme in this area all the creatures are very ravenous there's a lot of opportunities for her to get caught and eaten <laughs> by the guests that are brought into the dining room. Unfortunately, I didn't experience a game crash. I had to replay a bunch of stuff. There's a pretty good chase sequence that happens in here, too, which is pretty suspenseful. But the weird thing is she's struck by the hunger pangs during this area. And considering how much food there was throughout this whole scene, what she ends up eating was really disturbing. I'm not going to say what it is. Wow. But. I wonder. It's insane, it, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's. I mean, every time she's had the Hunger Pangs, her choices were never that great. But this one was particularly worse. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you do get to a point in the game where you face off against an adversary of some kind. And it's really the only time that you actually have any kind of combat in the game. Because most of the time, it is stealthing and puzzle solving and things like that. But overall, the game is, I'd say, pretty interesting, pretty decent. I mean, it's if you want a really long game out of this type of experience, probably might be a little unsatisfying. It's maybe five or six hours at most. It might have been nice to have more environments to explore, but I think it's right for the type of story that they were telling. Like, I think they probably would have drawn out the story too much if it was even longer. The girl is named Six. She's not explicitly named in the game itself, but in the promotion for the game and in all the material she's referred to as Six.
0: Is it S-Y-X?
1: No, it's S-I-X. Oh,
0: actual number Six.
1: Yeah, I I don't really know why. Also, I should mention the sound design is really great. I think the little bits of music that you get are really appropriate for the environments and really amplify the feeling The environmental sound in general just really adds to the atmosphere. I thought it was pretty well done. As I mentioned, it came out recently. It was released on April 28th of 2017. Developed by Tarsier Studios. They're based in Sweden. Published by Bandai Namco.
0: Which to me seemed a little unusual. It doesn't seem like their type of game to publish.
1: Yeah, it's weird because you figure they have so many other properties to draw from. Mm -hmm. But I guess they wanted to try something new. It's available on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. I'd say it's good. If you like Limbo and if you like those type of games, I think it fits right in. So I should like it, you think? Yeah, I think you'd get something out of it. Do you pick up weapons ever? Like, uh, No, because there really there really is no fighting okay. throughout the game. There's nothing that you really have to combat directly. You have to just avoid getting caught. Okay, That's really the primary danger here.
0: Mm-hmm. Any hints of a sequel because it's it's a short game or
1: maybe only because I think they didn't really explain a whole lot about what's going on, okay, so if you're, wow, lo- so
0: you still don't really know everything when you're done uh, you
1: get some explanations, but not everything, okay, you definitely don't get any origin stories if that's what you're looking for,
0: yeah, right, uh-huh, so they leave it a little open to yeah. Maybe possibly doing more in the future.
1: Yeah, who knows? Cool.
0: I wonder how well that sold.
1: This we'll find out soon enough.
0: Yeah, the one you bought, the copy you bought. Did you get the special edition? Well,
1: I'm going to flash forward to my pickup segment because that is my pickup for the week. Is the <laughs> game itself? <laughs> I'll tell you which one I got. Okay. The game is available digitally. I think it's normally 19.99. Oh,
0: that's not it's bad. the
1: normal digital price. But I got the physical version. Mm-hmm. i got something called the sixth edition
0: oh okay that's what so, they called that now okay, so nice that
1: thing. is the thing that kind of gives away the the name of the girl
0: mm-hmm.
1: it comes with a little little statuette she
0: looks like an amiibo it's the same kind of base yeah. to it
1: yeah it has like a little round pedestal and it has the girl in her little raincoat and she's holding out her lighter and you can't really see her face you can't see her face, but you see more of her here than you do in the game itself.
0: Yeah, it looks like her hair is in front of her face. Mm-hmm. Weird.
1: Yeah, so she might be Japanese. That's the impression I'm getting. Hmm. But there's no direct acknowledgement no show, of that. she's on either. Right, she's barefoot the whole time. Mm-hmm. And you hear her feet slapping on the ground as oh, she's yeah. walking. So it comes with that. It comes with the game, obviously, in the standard PS4-type case. It does come with a soundtrack CD. Oh, nice. And it comes with a poster of... Does it glow in the dark? The poster? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't okay. think so. It's a poster of the chef characters.
0: Oh, yeah, those ugly guys. Yeah, well, yeah. it's disturbing.
1: <laughs> it's also got a little backdrop for the figure. Oh, neat. And a little sticker sheet. Sticker sheet. With some oh, of so the... you can stick them on the backdrop, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Probably wouldn't use that. So this isn't retail for thirty-five. Mm. So it gives you a few extra things. Of course, I got it for twenty percent off. So it was twenty-eight. <laughs>
0: you use your Best Buy gamer unlock, then? right? Okay.
1: Right. So I figured for eight dollars extra, you get all this extra stuff.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's pretty good. Hmm. Not bad.
1: So I thought that was a nice way to promote this game too, because you know these type of games. Usually don't get a lot of attention.
0: No, they don't, right? Yeah, it seems like it would be sort of like an indie game that would fall through the cracks. But
1: mm-hmm. so, I guess
0: with a big publisher behind it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, use some of their weight to show it off a little bit.
0: That game looks really cool. I definitely want to play that soon. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I didn't buy it yet, but it's on my wish list along with like probably 20 other games. <laughs> that, you know, used to be the spring-summer was like the slow point for video games. But it seems like that's where like, all the good games are coming out now, mm-hmm. spring and summer.
1: Yeah, I think they start to take chances, because they see that some of these games, they do sell outside of the holiday period.
0: Well, I mean, when I was little, we didn't have money to buy games during the year, so mm-hmm. you'd wait until Christmas I guess so. to get all your games. Yeah. But I, I guess people are in better shape in this generation. Mm-hmm. And you can buy five or six games
1: the median age for a gamer is like in their 30s or something. Oh, okay. So it makes sense that they should be able to enjoy some decent True. Uh, commerce during the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a game like this, it's definitely good for one sitting. I mean, I think it took me probably two nights to do it. I like to break it up a little bit, but conceivably you could just play through this whole game in one chat oh,
0: Okay, that's not so bad.
1: Mm-hmm. Depending on how determined you are.
0: Mm hmm. <laughs> I'll talk about my week then. All right. And I started playing Earth Defense Force. Oh, yeah? 4.1 on PlayStation.
1: Uh-huh.
0: But that game's going to take me a while to go through. It's a long game.
1: <laughs> yeah? It's you've great. gotten that impression?
0: I've put half a dozen hours into it, and I've barely even scratched the surface. Hmm. So I will not talk about it. I will maybe not even talk about it next week, because I think it's going to take me a long time okay. to go through. Mm-hmm. But I played some other stuff, because I'm always bouncing around different things. Yeah. So I'll talk about some mobile games that I checked out this week. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've actually been playing these for the past two weeks. This first one is called Aurora Bound, like the Aurora Borealis. Mm Mm-hmm. It is a puzzle game. These are both puzzle games, uh, which is, you know, kind of what I play a lot of. It looks like stained glass. It's on a grid, and you have these stained glass shapes multicolored, some kind of intricate design. And you're on a, a grid of boxes. And it starts out pretty easy. The playfield is sort of like a 3 by 3 grid or 4 by 4 And you have these squares and you have two functions. In the beginning it starts out with just the one, but later on they add two. Where you can either rotate the piece or the piece will not be on the playfield, but you can move it and place it wherever you want. Mm-hmm. Now, the object of this is to match up the colors of all the boxes, and also the patterns have to match to create like an overall shape. Mm -hmm. But the shape you're creating is not like a photorealistic thing. It's nothing. It's just a pattern that you're creating. Yeah. So you have to sort of fill in the missing blocks and also rotate blocks so all the patterns sort of fit together.
1: Is it kind of like needlepoint or something?
0: I never did needlepoint. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> but you've I'm seen like sure. the printed
1: pattern that's on the little like knitting guide whatever it's called or how about like uh Picross? You ever play those?
0: Um, yeah, I did play a lot of Picross. I I guess you could see some kind of comparison of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever really played anything like this before. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I can try to give you an example. You have like one square that maybe has one half purple one half green. And then you have a, a maybe a lines going vertical, right? So then the square next to it might have lines that are uh, maybe curved. And then there's maybe a purple and green color, but uh-huh. in a different orientation. Yeah. So like something like that, maybe you'd have to like rotate it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like kind of an easy thing. or It's like, oh, you know, I could just match the shapes. That sounds pretty simple. But these grids get really large, like where you have to kind of zoom out of the screen to see mm-hmm. the whole board. And then sometimes you're given a lot of missing pieces so like almost like a puzzle right we have to like you ever play one of those puzzles of like a thousand pieces and it's not even of a picture it's just like random shapes and stuff <laughs> so you don't really okay. know like how to match the puzzle pieces together mm-hmm. so it's something like that where it'll be a lot of missing pieces and you have to figure out how to place these squares in and then how to rotate them And then sometimes you think you're like, oh, this is easy. I'm like putting them in, rotating them. Everything's matching. And then you get to the end and it's like, oh, this last piece doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. So now I screwed up somewhere. And you have to backtrack and pull all the pieces out and then kind of start over. I kind of like it. The problem I have with this is that, and this is not really, it's actually a good thing. There's like, there's probably like a thousand levels, I think, in this game, maybe Mm -hmm. more. They keep adding more levels. And sometimes like when I come across a game like this, where I kind of like it and it's a puzzle game, like I want to finish it. But because they keep adding more puzzles and, you know, maybe I started playing this a little bit late when it came out. There's already a lot of puzzles to begin with. You know, I, I look at the puzzle list and I'm like, wow, this is a lot of stuff. Like I, I have that completest mentality where when I play something, I want to finish it. Mm-hmm. And looking at it, it's like, wow, I, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be able to. This is just like an endless puzzle game. Where I almost feel like I don't want to even go back to it and play it anymore because I know it's like I'm never going to complete this and it's just an endless game. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like I did put some time into it and I played a lot of the puzzles and I'm at a point now where the puzzles take me, you know, some of the early ones can take like a minute or two to finish. Mm -hmm. But now I'm at the point where it takes me like sometimes a half hour to get through a puzzle because they're pretty large. So this is a pretty long game and your brain can start to get tired from like staring at everything (laughs) after a while. And especially that point where you assemble all the pieces and you get to like that last tile and you're like, oh man, like I can't believe. After all that, now I have to like go back and start and see Uh what what I messed up.
1: Is it the kind of thing where you can suspend it if you need to break from the game and come back to it?
0: Yeah, you can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also hint packs. So the game is free. And you're allowed, I think, some free hints in the beginning, get, like 10 free hints. So if you do get stuck, you can press the hint button and it'll show you where the first piece should go, which is kind of weird because like you'll have the whole board filled out, and you're like, all right, I'm down to like five pieces. I don't know where this goes. And you print the hint button and it's like shows you where the first piece goes. At least for me, that's how it worked. I don't think I only used the hint function once. So I looked at it, and I'm like, well, that didn't really help me. Or maybe it did help me, because maybe I had the wrong piece in the wrong spot in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I had pulled everything out, and I put the piece back. That's sort of how this game is monetized. Yeah. But like I said, I put a couple of hours into this, and I didn't pay anything yet. And I still have nine hints left. hmm But, you know, a 1,000 levels is a lot, so you can go for a long time. <laughs> it's on iOS, Android, Amazon store, Windows 10 store. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of ways to play this, and I believe it's free on all systems. It's published by Final Game Studios.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I don't know, interesting. I thought maybe something to look at. So the game uh, I've also been a little bit addictive to is called Ball O. Hmm.
1: Peculiar title.
0: It is peculiar, yeah. It's, uh, it reminds me of this old wrestler from the 80s called Barry O. <laughs> and he used to always... Uh-huh. you remember that guy? I don't know, he used to make like an O shape with his arms. So I saw a ball that went over to my state. I always think that. Mm-hmm. But this one was just released also. And um, as far as I know, it's only on iOS. I can't find much research on it. It's, it was made in uh, by a guy in Hong Kong. His name is Ziu Di Wang. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually has a bunch of apps, but this one in particular is just on iOS. Also free. There are some ads in the game, but I didn't really come across it. That many? None, practically. Mm. At least in my experiences. Um, So he does charge two bucks if you want to unlock the ad free version. If I did run into one or two, it wasn't like an issue for me. It wasn't a game breaker. But so this is a simple game where you see a circular vision of your game board Mm -hmm. and also a puzzler. There's other games like this. So you have a, a gun in the center of the screen and this gun in the center can shoot out balls. Now, when you start out, you have all these other balls on the screen. They're like larger objects, and these balls have numbers in them. And every time you shoot your ball, these outer balls will step in one step closer. Mm. And when they come closer, you get another chance to shoot your balls. So you have this turret in the middle, and what you want to do is you want to point the ball somewhere, and the ball will ricochet across the screen mm-hmm. in this circular arena that you're in. And in the center, where you're surrounding your turret, are these, like, spikes. And every time the ball crosses through those spikes, it, like, loses hit points. And then your ball disappears. So your balls that you shoot out have kind of, like, um, a limited lifespan. So really what the idea is, you want to try to shoot your ball in an angle where it ricochets off the screen, but doesn't cross the center of the playfield. Then you'll lose your ball that way. Huh. And every time your ball passes through these bigger objects with the numbers in them, the numbers will count down every time it passes through. Mm-hmm. Or actually, it doesn't. it's more like a pinball effect where it won't pass through, but it'll bounce off these balls. And every time it bounces off, the numbers go down. And when it goes down to zero, the object will disappear. So every time you shoot a ball, you go through that whole process and you see all these balls like ricocheting. And then your ball will disappear because eventually your ball passes through the center. And then everything moves closer to you. You have to decide, do I want to hit the ball that says 12, that's further away, or do I hit the ball that's closer to me, that's 6? You have to kind of figure out which one's more dangerous to me. Because you don't want these bigger balls to come towards the center, because that's how the game ends, as soon as they come towards the center. Mm -hmm. So every time it gets closer and closer, and that's kind of the whole point of the game. But for me, it's something I find very soothing, especially when you find the right spot to shoot your ball out and it starts ricocheting all over the place <laughs> and just watching those numbers like kind of decrease and and things disappearing and watching that ball bounce around i found it very soothing to play this uh-huh. it's not like i never found it to be a stressful game or anything like that okay and that's to me the fun of the game
1: yeah i find games that seem to match that same kind of feeling sometimes where there's a lot of stuff to manage but you still just kind of get some satisfaction from doing it Even though it could create a situation where you lose the game if you don't do it right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I feel like in the beginning, I was sort of playing this more cautiously. Like, hmm, I wonder where I should, you know, should I shoot it here? Should I shoot it here? But I find that if I just kind of like boom, boom, and just keep hitting the ball like as quickly as possible, Mm -hmm. that I seem to get like just as good of a score if not better. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm not sure there's that much skill in this. I do have a complaint a little bit where I feel like, when I shoot the ball against the other balls, they don't always bounce in the direction where I feel like it should. I feel like the physics aren't right, and that might be by design, I'm not sure, but Mm -hmm. that sort of bothers me sometimes, where it's like, well, if I I try to plan it where I say, well, if this kind of hit the ball on this one, it should ricochet and hit this ball, and then I should create a little chain effect Mm -hmm. of it bouncing back and forth, but it never seems to do that. And even when you hit it towards the outer wall, which is, you know, you're in a big sphere, it doesn't seem to hit the angles where I imagine it should. That's hmm. really my only complaint about this. Like, when you play pool, it usually will give you, like, an arrow, and it'll sort of show well, you... Easy, easy well, easy mode will.
1: Yeah. Like, if it's an easy type of game... That's true. Normal ones won't. This doesn't.
0: No, it's just... You have to just tap on the screen where you want the ball to go, and mm-hmm, that's very good.
1: I see. Okay.
0: There is a continue option. If you do die, mm-hmm. you can continue by watching an ad. You can start over where you left off. Any of those balls that were existing on the screen now become... Harmless, they're still there and you get points for them, but if they reach the center, then you don't die anymore mm-hmm. until the new ones come in the new ones come in from the outer screen. Mm. There was one time I played and I was able to continue like three times and then another time I played where it only let me continue once. so I'm not sure if it lets you continue until you beat your high score and then it doesn't allow you to do it anymore. I'm not sure how that works really. I haven't understood the point of that. Mm-hmm. there's a uh, another thing in the game where you can collect coins as you play. And they're just scattered around the play field as your ball's bouncing. you'll usually you can't avoid them almost. you pick them up. and with these coins, you can go into like the store in the game and buy different colored balls. Mm-hmm. I don't really feel a need to that. Like it doesn't seem like that type of game where I'd want to. It's not that visually interesting. the game. it's pretty simple. yeah, where I would want to do that, but I feel like that's like a little trend in a lot of games now to like upgrade the character mm-hmm. to be different colors or different shapes and silly stuff like that. I have to say that this concept is not totally original. I've played a game in the past called Orbital. Mm -hmm. I know it's on iOS. I don't know if it's on anything else. That was more of a vertical screen, though, where you had to shoot a ball upwards and bounce off these balls that have numbers on them. and numbers decrease. So that was probably why I was also attracted to this, because I like that game a lot. And this one's the same concept. It's just in a circular arena instead of a vertical playfield.
1: Mhm. I guess this is like a whole genre then.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean this might even be a copy of something else, I don't know, but uh-huh. this is the first time I've played in in this format, but it's kind of fun. Mm. Yeah, it sounds fun. Yeah, but I got to play some more EDF. <laughs> you got to squash some bugs. Yeah, that's my mission. Mhm. I have that game too. I should probably one, 4.1 mm-hmm. or okay. Actually, I actually have it on 360 xbox 360 is 2025 it's called Mm -hmm. and i never even opened it still sealed and then the new one came out on playstation which is the same game but better frame rate and improved slightly better like hd graphics so i was like well let me rebuy it again and and so that's the (laughs) one i bought and that's what i'm playing but i still have the xbox 360 version Never opened
1: most people would say i already bought that game there's no way i'm buying it again
0: right most normal people would say that I'm not that normal of a person. No,
1: listen. I'm right there with you.
0: And, and also, they are—they announced another game now.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: might be showing that at E3 some more. So I said to myself, i got to start probably playing through some of these. Start
1: catching up on yeah. them. Yeah,
0: and there's also a Vita game, which I never bought yet either, yep. which is more, I think, based on the original...
1: It's an adaptation like a of a PS2 game.
0: Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that one I never tried. So I'm mm-hmm. a little bit behind on the series. Yeah,
1: that one was never released in the U.S., actually. Okay. The I mean, the video version is, but the original PS2 one isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So I'll, I'll have more to talk about that.
1: Awesome. Uh, all right. So there is some feedback that I wanted to follow up with. Uh, Greg Izzy wrote in, talked a little bit about our physical media discussion. He says... Yeah, I really wonder how gamers will be able to archive this generation's games for the future. How do you collect, even if you do collect the physical, if the game is sold unfinished? What's the point? I guess that is a concern because, you know, like we said, a lot of times you buy the game and it's version 1 on the disc, but the game gets updated as you Mm -hmm. play it because... That's the kind of state that we're in these days. In
0: some cases, it's a significant update where they'll change the storyline or or animations or pull music out or, you know, pretty drastic changes. It depends.
1: They could change all kinds of things. Uh Yeah. And I suppose for people that aren't connected, I mean, there is going to be some subset of people that just aren't connected to the Internet that buy these consoles. And they still get a working game. It's still... Maybe there are issues that they might or might not run into, you know, that updates might fix. But I think for the most part, games do ship in a working state. I mean, it's not...
0: A runnable state, at least. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I think maybe that case is a little overstated. But, yeah, you're definitely missing out if you're not getting these updates for these games. So that's definitely a thing that might be missing down the road.
0: Yeah, I think the problem a lot of the times comes with Games that have a lot of online services. Yeah. And those need a lot of patches often. Mm-hmm. Or games that have a lot of DLC. Right. You know, and that needs to be updated a lot. But usually games with, like, story-driven single-player <laughs> events and stuff, I don't think that changes a whole lot. Very rarely. It does happen, but mm-hmm. I think it's very minor stuff. And usually in a good way. It's usually patching, like, a bug or something in the game. Mm-hmm. But you rarely ever hear of a game that's, like, totally broken. I mean, it happens, but it's not that common. Yeah. Where the game just doesn't work. And, you know, the game that you have on the disc is just completely unplayable. Like, I think Tony Hawk was one of them mm. from recently. Maybe Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. But you can probably count them There's that few.
1: Right. There is a concern about how people might be able to play it legitimately. In other words, if you bought the game... Yeah. ...and you want to be able to apply these updates, but somehow the service isn't up anymore... That is a concern, but as far as archiving the games, I mean, it is happening when these games get cracked, or, you know, I mean, it's sad that we have to rely on piracy to back up all these type of games, but there is going to be a way for these things to be playable down the road. It just won't be a legal means, or it won't be legitimate, Mm -hmm. which is bad, because, like, the people who did buy the game probably won't have access to it anymore, but the people who didn't buy the game will have the full, complete, updated version.
0: hackers. with a Z. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's kind of bad, but that's what happens. Why do the
0: good people suffer?
1: (laughs) It was that way. The problem is, these companies who put these games out, they don't look at it as a necessary thing. There's no profit in it.
0: There's no profit. That's what it comes down to. You know? So... Unless, you know, they say, well, we'll sell you it again if we ever Mm -hmm. come down the line and we want to re-release it again. We'd rather do that. Sure. You know, we don't archive it. We don't want you to play this game for the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. I mean, how many times did I buy Pac-Man over and over again, you know? (laughs) If if they had, like, the perfect version and it worked on every console and everything, then they would never make any mm -hmm. more money from me.
1: Right. That's like when the music industry goes from... vinyl to cassette to cd to digital yeah they want you to rebuy it every time every time yeah yep. even if it is the same and album. that's sort of
0: the problem they ran into where they got to a point where you don't need to rebuy it anymore because it works on everything mm-hmm. and the versions are crystal clear you know yeah so they had to find ways and you know how do you get people to rebuy the songs again mm-hmm. you know you make rhythm games and you make get people interested in vinyl you know right go back to the classics and they try everything, you know, merchandise mm-hmm.
1: to make money. Music as a service where you don't even buy. right.
0: Subscription based. You
1: don't even buy songs. You just pay every month. That's,
0: that's, that's how most people do music now. Mm-hmm. Maybe games will be like that, too.
1: That would be the dream that, that they the want, future. that they have.
0: That you just never own anything. You just subscribe they just, like a cable service. They
1: would love the idea of just a billion people paying $10 a month.
0: We're getting closer to that day. <laughs> I hate to say it. I personally don't have a big problem with that. Mm. I see it getting closer and closer that maybe not too far in the future, that's how it's going to be. You're Mm -hmm. not buying games anymore. You're subscribing to Sony's service or Xbox's service.
1: The unfortunate thing with that approach is that those type of services are always tied to a license agreement where someone puts their game up for five years, seven years, whatever, and then Mm. it expires. And then they either have to renegotiate or it leaves the service. Yeah, it's like
0: Netflix, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I'm not a subscriber to Netflix, and yeah. I don't particularly like that right. delivery method. Right, it could be a
0: movie you like watching like once a month or something. And then, you know, or maybe like two years from, you're like, oh, yeah, this is a great movie I want to show you. And then you go to put it on, and it's like, oh, it's not here anymore. They pulled. Yeah, it.
1: right, or it was never here. I mean, how do you get it right. if, that's, if that's your only mm-hmm. way of getting it, you know?
0: That's the downside, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw it recently with another game that was removed. It was uh, Alan Wake. was an Xbox 360 game that was available for download. And it's now off of download services because of the music in the game. The licensing fee for the copyrighted music that's in the game has expired. And now they can no longer sell the game unless they patch it out, which they haven't done. So rather than do that... They've just taken the game down, and it's not for sale anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, the game does exist on physical disc. It was sold at retail. So if you want to play the game on an Xbox, that's how you would have to get it now. The odd thing is the sequel, or the they made standalone DLC for that game, which is kind of its own game. That game is still available because that game doesn't have the music issue.
0: And you know how like when the PlayStation came out... Namco started releasing, like, their classics, like, ten Namco games or five on a disk mm-hmm. Midway... Yeah. I wonder if there'll be a point in the future where it'll be, like, Sony Classics and it'll have, like, you know, ten but meaty games. Like, mm. I know we don't have, like, the ability to put that much on a Blu-ray right now, but to have, like, you mm. know, five Assassin's Creed's on one disc or something... Uh, yeah, they could. I mean, they did that with Halo, right, recently? They did. But I, I think Halo, you... When you insert the disc, I don't think the games are on the disc. I think it downloads everything from the server. I think there's no game on there.
1: I'm not sure. I know definitely at least one of them is downloadable. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too clear okay. on that.
0: I think that's going to be interesting when that generation becomes old, like the Xbox 360 generation mm. is like now vintage. If they do, I don't know. But
1: right, Actually, I'll give you another example on the Xbox. Uh, Rare Replay. The collection of the right. ra- of the rare games. Mm-hmm. It came with ten games from from Rare. Mm-hmm. Is it ten
0: or twenty? I, I think there's more. Yeah, I think twenty was, like, maybe. 20. Right. Uh-huh.
1: Well, anyway, the smaller games are on there. Are on the disc. Yeah. Like the games from like, like RC Priam and the yeah, old NES games or uh-huh. Spectrum games. Those are tiny, and those are on the disc, but there are xbox 360 games that are part of that collection and those are downloaded oh, okay if you choose to play any of those uh-huh. so
0: there's an example of not all the games might be on the disc right okay
1: yeah huh. amazing
0: yeah it is really
1: but you don't know that you wouldn't know that if you bought no the game. so
0: like 10 years from now you're at a garage sale and you're like oh i always wanted to play this and like mm-hmm. the service is down you know when you put it in it could happen and it'll be like cannot connect to server when you go to play that game
1: yeah right like if you wanted to play uh whatever perfect dark yeah you know that's not on the disc. That actually gets downloaded as a digital title yeah, that's from, crazy. from the store. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess at some point the industry will figure this out.
0: Yeah. I don't know changing. when that's
1: going to be, but they need to get on it.
0: I know when. 2025? The same year the bugs attack?
1: Oh, we'll have other problems. Giant ants are not going to care about vintage games. No. It's not going to happen.
0: How about giant spiders? Because of those, too.
1: Oh, no. Well, I guess we're going to have to okay. shut things down before the insects overwhelm us. Sounds good. <laughs> so thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it. Please send us your thoughts and comments. We're always happy to hear them. Mm-hmm. Please visit us on Facebook. We're at Facebook.com slash Our Broken Bites. Or send us a note at obbfeedback at gmail.com. And with that, we'll call it a day.